dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm your host, Pez. I'm here with Sauce. And Sauce, the AFL's got me down this week. I'm not happy at all. Hey guys, I could definitely see that, Pez. I did notice that you were wearing your very best uh, sweater there to try and uh, boost the spirits. But Pez, I know you already know the answer, but just for the fans and a little bit of uh, comical relief, Pez, what's up? Well, a lot of listeners are going to be thinking it's because I'm uh, demoralised after St Kilda's 75-point defeat, but it's not even that. Yes, I was demoralised after that, but the state of football at the moment, round three, I did not enjoy it at all. Uh, lots of floggings, and I don't know if this new rule is to blame or, or what's going on. Uh, the only decent game we saw, we got Brisbane-Collingwood on the Friday night, which was uh, decently close, and the, the last game, which was only because of the way it was coached and the way it was played uh, in the Geelong-Hawthorne game, which was decent as well. The other games, they just they just blew out to too much. The Good Friday game, North Melbourne Bulldogs, we don't want teams losing by 128 points, surely. But I, I'm just, I don't know if I'm not happy with the new rules, but the AFL, I think they might have uh, stuffed things up here. Pez, I wish the podcast could pick up some visuals because, or at least my eye roll could have made a bigger sound than it did. But you've got to be kidding me, haven't you, Pez? Looking at this this week's fixture, surely you had to see that you know the 128 point loss was was on the cards. Surely you had to see the Essendon St Kilda loss was on the cards because you're shit, right? <laughs> surely you had to see Sydney is going to be one of the teams to beat, and they were always going to give Richmond a flogging. Please don't be like every other media outlet and all the other journalists. We don't need a knee jerk reaction. We had two cracking games of football that were really close. We had some other really tightly contested games throughout different stages of the round. Pez, don't be like every other nuff nuff. No, nah, Sauce, I'm calling you out there. I'm not I'm not <laughs> like all the other ones because you know what they're saying? They actually love the high scoring. I actually don't like it. I'm actually different to but you're what asking all the for a change. You're asking for a change, and that's what the AFL media does. Every time there's something happens, they want to change instantly, straight away. I'm not asking for a change. I'm saying they might have stuffed up. I'm saying, of course, I know that they're not going to change anything. Well, they do. It's, the AFL does. It's, the what AFL the coaches, all the time. it's what the coaches need to do because Alistair Clarkson, he's gone out. He said, we need this rule change. Yep, whatever you say goes. And then he's actually gone back to the, the old style, which the commentators were calling it on the weekend, and, and played footy with uh, players behind the ball, slowing things down. And Geelong just played into the hands and, and nearly lost the game in the end. Uh, it was a tight game. People hated the first half, but they loved the finish. The other games, everyone turned it off at time because the blowout after blowout. I, I don't think that's correct there, Pez. I think Alistair Clarkson put uh, – Geelong's game plan is so predictable and, and one of the things that made him so dominant last year was that kicked around the back and went to the swing and you've got to get numbers behind the ball. That more is probably more of an antidote to be able to fix and be able to beat Geelong. I don't know if that's how he's going to approach every game. I would hope not, considering he brought this rule in. He's only going to approach those games in games he can't win, which Hawthorne have a pretty poor list, so it's going to be pretty <laughs> pretty low. But uh, we, we know where we stand on that. I, I didn't enjoy the round of football as a whole. Br- you Brisbane, didn't, no, didn't enjoy it. Brisbane-Collingwood were, was a cracking game. Uh, I, I liked what Essendon were able to do and pick up their first win. Adelaide-Gold Coast on the Friday night, I really enjoyed that one as well. And even Easter Monday yesterday, it was kind of taking me back to, to 2020 or, or before that when... It was tight contested footy. You had players behind the ball. You had uh, teams trying to trying to kick it through and and try and do that. But there's just so much space in in the game today where teams, if you've got good skills and you actually take the game on and you kick it into the middle, you're going to score heavily. And uh, the media outlets they love that the big forwards are back and kicking bags. But I don't know if it's going to be great for our game. It's uh, watch this space. I mean, is that what makes football really exciting? Big forwards kicking big bags. We had, you know, a round, a range of different players, you know, tall forwards, small forwards, kick lots of goals. Is that what makes football excitement exciting? I, I like I like the able the run through the middle that it's created. That you know that last play where Geelong kicked the, the you know the sealer, that sort of play, a quick turnover, quick chase down the field. I, I like that sort of aspect. I find that more exciting than yeah. the, the big forwards. And I would say we used to have that a lot more that quick turnover and chase, but at the moment we've only got that maybe once or twice a game because teams are teams are too careful. They're going through the middle. They're getting inside forward fifty, and and that's just not happening for whatever reason. But uh, we do have to get into our round three recap. And Pez, we're going to try something a little bit different today. We are on uh, a bit of a, an Easter break still. We're having an extended holiday from the weekend, so we thought, you know what? 
let's try things a little bit different. Today we're going to be giving all of our games the due diligence through a range of our different segments because in the last show, Pez, we didn't use any of our segments and I was a little bit disappointed. Just use the round <laughs> recap, but we do love our, our little play-ons and the, and the um, sound bites and things that we've got. So we are going to talk about each game within those three segments and the first one is over under. That's right, Pez. The AFL fans may not have been happy, but behind the boundary fans can be happy because the return of one of the, <laughs> the favourites of the segments here at Behind the Bound is over under. And for people new to the podcast, what we do is we analyse um, the, the, the different games from the weekend. We, we've got three games that we're going to look at through the lens of over under. We pick an imaginary line after we've gone through the game and uh, give us a little bit of a unique talking point around the game. So, Pez, the first game we're going to be looking at is the Richmond versus Sydney game. Um, it was oh, a, we like to be different, don't we? We do a little like bit different, starting from Richmond, Sydney. That's correct, Pez, and it was uh, it was a very interesting result from that one. Not many people predicted this one. Richmond Tigers um, getting defeated by the Sydney Swans, the young and up and coming baby Swans, as they're being touted by forty five points. Oh, especially without Buddy and Buddy being a uh, and resting him, you, people thought you know what Sydney just throwing in the towel here after being two and zero. They go two and one, rest up Buddy and get him get him right for the rest of the season. But rested him up. And didn't just beat Richmond; they flogged them forty-five points. Uh, Richmond didn't know what was what was coming, and Richmond a big injury. Dion Prestia went down early with a hamstring, so that's not good because he's had soft tissue injuries and things like that. But uh, what did you think? You would have loved the Swans. Oh, mate! You, you know, I, t- I said this earlier in the year that they're my league pass side. Uh, for people who don't know, the NBA have the the league pass where they see all the the smaller franchises. Sydney's not going to get a lot of airtime on the the big national stage on the Friday night games now with the. Uh, moving fixture that might actually happen but Sydney looked good and they could have blown it out by more pairs in the first first quarter they had um, absolute control over the game they actually allowed Richmond to sort of have a bit of life they, they got off to a flyer they had eight posters throughout the game so hitting the post eight times they end up kicking 17-15 five of those coming in the first uh, first quarter they dominated the stoppages they had some amazing run forward and they made Richmond not look like the dynasty that we have been talking about for the last couple of years. No, no, we don't know if it's uh, panic stations yet or not for Richmond. Losing at the MCG where they were touted uh, in recent seasons of that's been their, you know, holy grail winning there all the time. I was super impressed with the Sydney forward line with uh, Wicks kicking three. Oh, Sammy Wicks. Pa- Papley kicking four, Heaney kicked two, Logan McDonald kicked two, Warner kicked two, Hickey kicked two. And isn't he playing well and in that conversation of best recruits for the season? But Chad Warner is probably the player that he impressed me the most he only had the 20 disposals he kicked two goals one but him running through the middle and the <laughs> I don't even know what to say he looked like a, a 300 game player and then spotting up targets maybe uh, going out of the pack and kicking a goal on the run from 50 out uh, he really impressed me the young 19 year old yeah he was really impressive mate he had uh, 20 disposals and uh, and kicking a couple of snags and surely uh, that'll be three from three for the for the Sydney Swans the baby Swans in the, in the rising star like That'll be three weeks in a row, and that just shows you the depth of talent and why the AFL had to take away the, the academy because they're just absolutely breeding talent down there at Sydney or up there in Sydney if you're from Melbourne or down there if you're from Brisbane. But uh, the thing that watching this game is even at halftime when they were down by so many points and they, and, you know, they went into the, the half with, with a convincing lead, you still were waiting for Dusty Martin just to pop up and take control of the game. But the whole game, he yep. had an extremely quiet game. And, and the thing that I think stuck out most for me is it's very easy to jump on teams when they're down. And obviously this is an unrichman-like performance. But it was the way that they were doing it. There was a lot of undisciplined acts. There was a lot of yelling and, and sort of finger pointing towards the umpires as well as some of their teammates. And they went away from their structure. Uh, what I liked is that um, Hardwick was on the bench trying to try some different things, moving the magnets, trying to arrange different things in that last quarter, trying to, you know, they're not in that position very often, but very unrichmond like Piz. They, they showed that on the footage so much of Hardwick in the in the box, moving the magnets around, which uh, you, you don't really see that, no, it was that often these days. So... Um, the player that really impressed me and teams are going to have to put a lot of work into him is Jordan Dawson off the halfback line oh, and his good. big booming left foot. He had 27 disposals, 21 of those were kicks 
and and he was just spotting up targets. He's, he's 50, 60-meter drop punt uh, just down the wing. And Sydney, last year, they moved the ball quite slow out of the back line where Jake Lloyd would get, you know, 35 touches a game. But they're actually, with this new rule, going a bit further, spotting up targets, and then hitting that player, hitting that dangerous kick in the middle at halfback, and then going forward with all that space. So uh, Sydney, looking like a dangerous team. Hopefully injuries don't do anything, but good to see our man Isaac Heaney back as well. Yeah, it's, it's Isaac Heaney, mate. He, didn't, he, didn't he look great uh, early with those those long locks coming around, the blonde uh, tips in the sun? Whew, Absolute gun. Look really, really good. But Pez, as we said, we are looking at this through a different lens. We have got our over-under, and the first one for this segment is... Ladder position for the Swans. They are 3-0. They've just knocked off the reigning premiers, you know, the the, the dynasty-building um, Richmond Tigers. Guess for me, the over-under for them, eighth or higher. Where do you have them finishing? Eighth or higher. So they, do they make the eight or not? 3-0, and it's it's pretty tough not to do it from there. But uh, I'm going to say they'll finish uh, out of the eight. Out of the eight? You're going yeah. under? Under. No, no go yes. for the Sydney Swans. They've got an unbelievably good run. They've knocked off a couple of sides and they're not meant to be knocking off. I, I'm, I'm going the over pairs. I'm all in on the Swans. I, I knew you'd the be going the Swans, over. I'm all in. Uh, and some of my reasoning, I think, as, as a young side, you've got a little bit of momentum going at the moment. Can they keep it up throughout a whole season? They're going to be travelling uh, a little bit as well. Can they win those games at home? Uh, I, I rated them quite low, I guess, in the, in the mid missing finals sort of teams, but I think they'll finish a little bit higher than I had them. But, uh, yeah, I'll have them outside the eight and you'll have them in there. Of course, mate. And next week they'll have Essendon, they'll be 4-0 and and they'll be looking right on top of uh, the AFL ladder. Let's get into the next game. We had the Saturday night uh, game, which was, was easily going to be one of the games of the rounds uh, until the first quarter happened. And West Coast Eagles absolutely pantsed Port Adelaide. They put on four goals to nothing in the opening five minutes or so. Tim Kelly leading the charge in that midfield early. He looks trim, he looks good, and uh, so did the Eagles at home. Jeez, they look great, and it was good for Andrew Gaff to be back at home with his 36 disposals running up and down that wing. Their forward line is so strong. Oscar Allen, Josh Kennedy, uh, Jack Darling, they, they just get the players there, and Nat Nui is dominant in the ruck. And their, their run and forward, it was great to see Luke Shuey back, but bad news, he did, uh, did pull that hamstring in that fourth quarter. So uh, interesting to see how long he is out for because I think he's a very, very important uh, piece to their team. No Yo, now no Shuey again for... We don't know how long, but uh, they just dominated Port Adelaide and Port Adelaide didn't have that run. Alia couldn't stop those big forwards and uh, I think the wide ground and the lot of space over at West Coast uh, really helped them out. Yeah, you spoke about West Coast forward line, but it wasn't just their forward line that was doing the hard yards. Jeremy Govan, 11 marks. Tom Barras looked amazing defence. They really kept that um, that strong forward line that everyone is talking about piling on goals very quiet, quiet early, and they were unable to make any impact on the game. And realistically, they were going through the motions in that second half. West Coast sort of had that lead. They commanded it. And yeah, I, I, I sort of had West Coast finishing outside of the eight. Um, but if they play football like that at SBS Stadium, then they are going to win a lot of games, Mate, how do West Coast keep finding these guys? You've got Jeremy McGovern, obviously one of the best intercept markers. Barras, really good one-on-one defender, and and he takes intercept marks. But Rotham over the last two weeks has really impressed me. He took 11 marks on the weekend, had 19 kicks as well. He even uh, ventured forward and kicked it behind. But he's been defending so well for West Coast against the Bulldogs and against Port Adelaide, two teams that will be fighting for final spots. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, one of the things that uh, also really stood out was Nick Natanui going head-to-head with uh, an ex-teammate, Scotty Lysett. And he's easily, easily one of the best on the grounds early when the game was in the balance, you know, so the first five minutes realistically. But uh, Nick Natanui looked amazing out there. Just you know, being able to give his midfield Fielders, first option in the football, makes it so much easier for them going forward. And when they do go forward, as you said, their forward line is stacked. They had multiple goal kickers. And you've got a little excitement machine uh, on the ground as well as in the air, flying Ryan, Pez. Oh, he's always great to watch. He's always going to be a highlight reel there. And you, you mentioned that's a, Nat Nui is a part of the dominance in the West Coast Eagles midfield there, and Port Adelaide just couldn't get the job done. They decided to go pretty tall in the forward line by keeping Georgie Artis in as we spoke in our previous show last decision. week. Interesting decision. And then uh, Todd Marshall bringing him in as well, along with Dixon up there. Uh, so they had a lot of tall forwards and, you know, you kind of have to against West Coast when they've got all those defenders, but they just set up so well and were able to dominate the game. So West Coast won. Uh, now, the different lens that we speak about, Source, uh, over under our favourite stadium, SBS Stadium, also known as Optus. Um, will West Coast Eagles be beaten there? <sighs> I mean, so what are you putting the over-under as just 
well, all of zero point five. Are they going to are they going to actually lose a game there? They so didn't last season. They, so they, only they, lost they, have, ele- the they have eleven games there. So you're putting the over under as ten and a half. <laughs> Is that what you put in the over under as? Well, are they going to win eleven or are they going to win ten or less? Are they going to be beaten over there? I'm going to put it under pairs. They they do face some tough opponents there. They have uh you know your Saints uh, North <laughs> Melbourne. Oh sorry, no, I was reading Saints. The wrong, that's here. Come on, mate. Reading the uh, the wrong aspect of the fixture. But when you actually look at it, they've the, the two biggest tests from them is probably the Richmond and Western Bulldogs. They play the Saints at the end of the year round 19. So that could be one of those tough games where the Saints might have their injury uh, list not depleted as they are. I'm going. Under, I think they will get beaten over there. Maybe Richmond, maybe the Doggies, or you know, maybe in the Derby over there with Frio. Oh, so only only a few chances there. So they're going to win what at least eight, eight. So you probably so, make the finals. They make the finals. The West Coast Eagles. They're looking pretty good. They they might have even beaten the Bulldogs if Jamie Cripps had put them up three goals in that fourth quarter as well. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I'm going to go. You've gone under. I'm going to have to go over. <laughs> Let's go West Coast at home. Uh, all the way from here on in. You've got no choice there, Pez. Uh, always <laughs> trying to be different and just for, for argument's sake. Speaking of argument's sake, we get into the Sunday game, the Easter Sunday clash. A lot of people were, were thinking that Fremantle could make a, a, you know, really push Carlton and they could be possibly flirting with 0-3, but after a sort of sluggish sort of start, they've, they've sort of been in all of their games. Carlton have a really convincing win by 45 points over the Dockers. Yeah, they dominated. I, I was worried about Fife not being there. Um, the line got out really big to minus 17 and a half, but Carlton were just able to to do that really well. Uh, they had their forwards. I was really impressed with your mate uh, Fogarty. He's his link up game in the oh, midfield mate. and uh, being able to kick a snag as well. Uh, without Martin, without Fisher, Carlton just did what they had to do, get a win on the board because they probably should have had two wins to to start the season and they've only got one. So they've disappointed their fans. But um, Paddy Cripps. Wasn't he just amazing? There's three votes for him. Uh, clearances galore, went up and kicked goals. He didn't look uh, as hurt as he has in the first two rounds. No, and we could have had um, not just the only 10-goal game that we'd be talking about this round. Harry McKay looked, um, McKay or whatever you want to call him, looked amazing. Seven goals, five, 12 scoring shots, probably a couple out in the full as well. He, he looked incredible. And is he the answer to Carlton's uh, tall forward problems? Casbolt not being able to get into the side and uh, be able to crack, uh, you know, you know, a bag of goals, which you know we, everyone sort of was excited about him early on. But he looked really good, Pez, as uh, the key forward for Carlton. Yeah, he's definitely their their key forward that they're going to have to stick with. Now, I think Oscar McDonald can play a role in that team because I think Levi Casbolt, as as good a mark as he is, we always keep saying that he had not the nine touches on the weekend. He kicked the one behind. It was a bad miss as well. So Levi, if you can't kick kick the goals, you've just got to go. One late inclusion, Matty Cottrell, remember him? He uh, kicked the game sealer. I think it was against Adelaide. Uh, over there last season, the little bloke number 46, he had 14 touches. He, he looked pretty decent as well. Uh, Weedering was good down back. Pittenhead dominated in the ruck, and uh, they just they just had all the answers. But Sam Walsh as well, he didn't kick the two goals like Cripps. So I, I think he gets the uh, the two votes. He he looks like a monster out there. Oh, well, McKay gets the, the, gets the one. So just jump on our uh, Brownlow show for the end of the year and put that uh, money for VBs, Pez, because, yeah. They're, you know they're, what? The umpires will look at McKay's seven and – they might even give him the three or the they two. Might, I think well, in, in a round of big forwards, he may get it because that's what everyone's talking about. This, get, could be, this could be the year we see the Brownlow change. He gets the three or the two, but I think I would give Cripps three. You'd probably have to give McKay with his could have got ten, give him two, and Walsh gets the one. So there you go. Yeah. Can't what are we turning into <laughs> Brownlow show, we're going to give votes every game now. <laughs> well, hey, that's a good way to do it, Pez, because I know there's a nice three-voter coming from a couple of people uh, in, in the next segments with, with some of uh, your games. One of your mates, I'm sure, is going to get the, the, the three votes, Pez. But uh, if we're looking at the new lens, Pez, we've got to ask the question. Our line for this one is an interesting one. Harry McKay kicked four last week against the Pies. This week he kicked seven uh, against the helpless Dockers. If we had to go over-under... How many games he's going to get a bag? That's five goals for people who aren't uh, in tune with the, the football lingo. I would set the line at four and a half. For the remainder of the year, how many games? Which means if he is going to go under, he's kicking less than four or four or less. He's kicking over five or more. Well, McKay, you've got to look at the, the bottom feeder type teams. You've got North, you've got St Kilda, you've got GWS teams like that. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head how many times they play them, but I'm going to say he'll get it. Under that amount of times, because four more games out of 16 is 25%. If he's kicking five in them, that's a great return for McKay. So uh, he's going to be their main target. He is going to uh, 
kickbags against those poor teams, especially North. If uh, Josh Bruce is going to kick 10, he's going to kick at least five. Uh, so, I'll, yeah, I'll take the under on that one. I'll take the over, Pez. I think that's an easy one. You know, he got four last week. He got five this week. Uh, you're looking at the sort of when they're playing at home. And some of the teams they play at home, they play GWS at home, Gold Coast at home, North Melbourne at home. There's three games he could possibly get that. He only needs to get that two more times or, you know, one more time actually because he's already got once. I'll, I'll take the over with that, Pez. I think he can get that easily. All right, very good. So uh, that concludes over-under for today, Sauce. And we've been through uh, the three matches. So if we haven't spoken about your team yet, it is coming up in another segment. The next segment, Sauce, is going to be Big Win, Little Win. Big win, little win, Piz. And despite the name only giving us two options, we actually have uh, four different options for this segment. We have a big win, little win, big loss, little loss. And you sort of can indicate what it means. It's not referring to the scoreboard. It is referring to some of the big stories in that. And probably one of the big stories of the round, if you're a Western Bulldog supporter, is the potential premiership that everyone's talking about because you did beat... Oh, wait, you beat North Melbourne, sorry, by uh, by an absolute bucket load, a massive win from the Western Bulldogs, a 128-point win for the Doggies, and that's what everyone's talking about. Absolutely ridiculous scoreline <laughs> here. The Bulldogs, quarter by quarter, they kicked four in the first, five in the second, six in the third, and a massive 10 goals in the last. Talk about giving up. Um, well done, Western Bulldogs. You were playing against Witches Hats. And there was actually not 18 witches hats out there. There was about 14. So uh, you didn't have a lot to get around there. But North, so disappointing uh, for their club. Josh Bruce, obviously the big story out of it, who kicked 10 goals. He had 10 goals too. Trelaw kicked three from the midfield. English kicked three. Norton kicked two. Stevenson got his first goal for, for North. He kicked two as well. It's as, that was good. Bailey Dale also a multiple goal scorer with two as well. Um, you can't really talk about dominant players in this. And it's going to be pretty easy for the the players to give uh, the umpires to give the three votes to, to Bruce, obviously for 10, uh, 16 of his last 24 goals have actually come against North. So, uh, Bruce, you've got to stand up against, uh, other sides, mate. Uh, he had a big week last anything. week. Had a big week last week. Kicked three last week. So he's looking good. I think he's, he's sitting top of the, the Coleman <laughs> after two weeks. <laughs> I think he'd be sitting at, at the top, but I think he'd probably have more goals than he had last year as well. He had a bag of six last year in one of the games and only managed around 16 goals. So uh, he's already got more than that. So for the Bulldogs' sake, hopefully he can keep going, but it's going to be hard to drop him now after kicking a bag of 10. So he's in for at least the next five weeks. So bad luck, doggy supporters, moving forward. You probably should have uh, rested him or something playing against North knowing he could have gone off like that. But North, nothing, nothing to say. No one really stood up and, and showed fight and showed effort. Uh, it's it's just a really disappointing day uh, for North and, and for footy. It's, a, it's really disappointing for North Melbourne. I mean, there were some positive signs early in that first quarter. They look like they're starting to implement a system. Noble's doing a good job there, you know, with, with not really much cavalry there to sort of be able to give that direction of a game plan. But they, they had some really good moments where a couple of uh, handballs linked up really well and they looked good on the out, out and, you know, in, in the open space that they were creating. But then against a side like this um, that have a, a very, you know, injected midfield that like to possess the ball, you turn it over once and you're getting scored against very quickly. Because they uh, just run the other way. They just run the other way. And that was the disappointing for the, for the North Melbourne is that they would have some really, really great passages of play and then a skill error, not, not, not a forced skill error, just a basic skill error would turn the ball over. And in the second half, realistically, the doggies were, were just, um, you know, they were headhunting basically. Uh, North Melbourne was a bit disappointed that the tail went between their legs and they sort of felt sorry for themselves a bit. What do, you, what do you think of the coach's decision for North, uh, David Noble, not to shut the game down a little bit and, you know, stem the bleeding and just, you know, keep it going with what they're practising and being able to practise on that stage. Everyone's watching. It's Good Friday. So everyone sees the embarrassment. Does it harm the club more or does it help the club because they've actually not shut the game down and continued to go? I think it depends on, on what you're doing. If you are leaning into the rebuild and you are okay with the rebuild and you are okay with having 0-3, 0-4, 0-5 losses against your name and you know your job security, then I think it's a great thing for the club to be able to continually implement these things and continue to stick with it. They're going to have a natural instinct to be able to defend these games all the time. So they're going to have a, a countless amount of opportunities to shut the game down against some of those lesser sides. But against one of the top sides, why wouldn't you try and put your game plan to, to you know, to, to the test against, you know, some of the best teams? Well, 
I, I probably would for a couple of quarters, but then I, I think eighty points is probably my my go. You probably can't lose more than eighty points, and uh, even if you are getting up towards that ten goal mark, you've just got to try and shut it down to save face for some of the fans because. Uh, you're not just embarrassed as a club, but your fans are embarrassed to say they go for North after losing by 128 points. It's one of the biggest uh, losses we've seen. I think you do have to stem bleeding. I know you're trying to teach the young kids, but uh, you had your big thing, and we're talking about big win, little win, Source. I'm going to go with North North Melbourne here. It's a big loss. It's a massive loss. Not because of the margin, obviously. Well, good good work there, Pez. You really went out on a limb that one. Well, you haven't even listened to the <laughs> You just said a big loss. It's a big loss because... They were talked up during the week. The coach came out and said, this is a game for us. We're going to you know, fight hard. We're going to put in effort. We're going to deserve to be on Good Friday. And the AFL now have no choice but to remove North from the game because you can't have a game that's going to be over 100 points or even over 10 goal margin uh, on that prime time spot on a Good Friday. You're not going to build any reputation with that. No, you're going to get a reputation for an easy beat on Good Friday. And uh, yeah. Pretty much, there's not much you can more say to it. Pez. If you want to keep it with North, give everyone a turn to you know beat up on them on Good Friday or something like that. <laughs> Make it fair for everyone. Yeah. Give everyone a nice little Good Friday treat. Uh, for me, I'm going with a little win for Josh Bruce because, as you said and as you alluded to, he's got a lot of pressure coming on now. He's kicked, uh, you know, he's leading the Coleman after one real game. He's kicked 22 majors against the Roos in the last three three games. He is touting as their answer in that forward line. We question about where they're going to score goals for. I think it actually builds a lot more pressure for him going forward. A little win for him because obviously he got the 10, 10 snags, which is always good, but little win for him going forward because now he's got a lot of pressure to back up those performances. Two weeks, he's kicked 14 goals. He needs to, to build it up. So little win for him. Uh, not a big win like everyone is excited about. 10 snags don't come that often, but I think it adds a lot of pressure for him. So how many goals has he got at the moment? 14, I think. Does, does he get 50? No, no way. No. no. And I don't think... I think he'd be lucky to get 20. I don't think many would have him at 50, but the Bulldog supporters have fallen in love with him again and saying, you know, we've given him a chance. He's settled in now. He's ready to go, but... Uh, see how he goes if he can perform and well, he can I get mean, two or three goals, He only needs right. that four more times, Pez. He only needs to play Gold Coast and <laughs> beat them up, St Kilda and beat them up. Why are you putting Gold Coast down the <laughs> bottom now? Oh, only because they're the next team oh, on my list that I was looking at. So, But, uh, I mean, he could do it, but uh, I don't think so and I don't think it's the right thing for them to be doing, putting all their chips into Josh Bruce. Uh, that's well, a concern if you've got a premiership uh, ambition. There you go. Little loss would be surprising to a lot of listeners out there, Source. We uh, move on. Little win, I had it. Little win. What did I say? You said little loss. Yeah, it's strong. If you're not going to listen, mate, I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> no, I'm going to try. We'll try and listen in the next game. Uh, Essendon versus St Kilda. Yeah, and uh, I noticed that you handballed that straight over to me, Pez. Something that your Saints could have definitely used, an effective handball during the game. Essendon absolutely got the jump on the Saints and they won this game by 75 for, for the second big smashing uh, of the round. Yeah, it was uh, really... 75 points, Pez. What are Really, you really hard to watch. Uh even even a loss would have been heartbreaking on this day, but they've actually just shattered it. Uh, St Kilda, after so much expectation, last two years they've recruited really well, they've done this. Uh, they just didn't show any effort. They didn't show any tackling pressure. They actually had the lowest amount of tackles uh, up to half time in their history. And Essendon had over 100 possessions at one stage, and then they had more tackles, the Essendon team. So uh, St Kilda, you're not running, you're not doing anything. Like I don't know how... At quarter time, six goals four to three goals three. I don't know how it doesn't change and you let Essendon come out in the second quarter and kick six goals two to one goal two. Uh, that just doesn't happen with a, a decent team and a finals team. Uh, you're playing against Essendon. They've actually been depleted through injury, which we spoke about last week. Nobody in their right mind would have tipped Essendon to win and no. they've come out and won by 75 points. Brad Hill's getting a big talking about now. I said we should have dropped him last week, give him a stint in the VFL. He's come back in and he's done the same thing. He hasn't. He doesn't get his own ball, which he needs players to get it and give it to him. But when we give it to him, he's not hitting his targets. We're giving him $900,000 a year. He's not earning that at the moment. But uh, there was only probably two players that were shining lights for St Kilda. If you can have any shining lights in a 75-point loss source is Membry because he's the only way we can get it forward with the contested mark on the wing and Jack Steele in the middle. Uh, Essendon. You look everywhere around the ground. Everyone was a shining light, including Nick Hine, looking great off half-back. Yeah, and Stringer looked really good in his first game back. He kicked three snags in the first half, uh, first quarter, and he looked like the, the package definitely was um, delivering there. For one of the criticisms of, of a lot of Essendon supporters was, 
well, why isn't he in there? You know, obviously there's something wrong, but if he can have that performance and that leadership and stand up in those big moments, he, he looked amazing in that forward line and, and he could be the answer. For Essendon fans, you have to be ecstatic with, finally, the game plan that they've been trying to implement for the last three years came came about. They, they were kicking the ball well. They they showed a lot of effort. They were hunting the football. Their, their pressure in that forward line was immense. And you sort of alluded to it, well, you might have even stated it, the really poor effort for a team to have over 100 more dis- dis- possessions and lose the tackle count, oh. that is crazy. But that just I think it actually showed more to what Essendon were doing and the success of that pressure that they were applying. They were hunting everything. They were relentless. They continually were, were you know, Making St Kilda look second rate, and this is a team that you know everyone had in their top eight, and some people even had finishing the top four. Unbelievable! They're not going to be a top four team uh, after their start to the season. They probably could have lost to GWS and been zero and three after the first three rounds. But um, Essendon, a couple of the young blokes, Harry Jones really impressed me up forward from uh, Vic Metro. He, you know, took a took a couple of good grabs and was spotting up targets and things like that. But St Kilda just can't seem to do it at the moment. Uh, Jade Gresham went down with a yeah, innocuous Achilles injuries. That, that could be a career ender source because Achilles injury is one of the worst ones you can actually get in footy. Uh, so that's not not too good for the Saints there to to have Gresham there. Jones uh, tweaked his right ankle as well, and Redmond was subbed out with a hamstring injury for the Bombers. But the Bombers are just going to be welcoming back players, uh, getting players there. I, I still don't like the the cable hooker forward. Uh, he he would have kicked multiple kicked goals. Five. And <laughs> exactly right, but. I think he's he's better in defence still. Uh, no Essen supporter would have expected the win and they would be over the moon to come out and demolish St Kilda and put them as a big talking point for the week. Where's your effort? What's happening here? After, you know, losing to Melbourne with little to no effort and lack of skills, they've come out against a team. They must have just thought, Source, they're depleted in injuries. We don't have a Ruckman, but that's all right because, you know, we're just going to walk through this and win, but uh, I don't know how a team does that. And Essendon, well done, kudos. They they got it. Yeah, this is not a St Kilda supporting um, podcast, Piers. This is where we analyse the football. You can't say kudos to them for a good win. That's that's that's. I poor can form. say that about any team. That's poor form on your behalf, mate. You're, you're <laughs> off your head today, Sauce. The start in the intro and now off your absolute head. I can say kudos to any team for a win. <laughs> You didn't like that, Pez. Look at your backup. Right, I Look didn't at you. like that. You didn't like that at all. That, that's ridiculous. For all right, outside outside of St Kilda being the biggest loser, who, who's the what's your big win, little win for this? <laughs> I don't. You better take your headphones off and storm off there. Uh, I am about to, and uh, didn't watch the second half with. You uh, didn't watch it as much. Oh, you're not listening to the end I'm of my sentences today, are you? Not, you not. are struggling. Um, yeah, didn't watch it with as much interest as the first half, uh, and noticing the ins and outs of tackles and things, but. Uh, I guess the big win is the Bombers get um, a mark off the season. They get uh, the discussion isn't around who's the worst team in the league between Essendon and North anymore. Just Norford, Norford down the bottom. So I think that's a big win for Essendon moving forward. Their supporters actually have something to to go about. I got a few messages from some of my Essendon supporting of mates. You did. Uh, Typical Essendon supporters. Always, you don't hear from them, and no. then they they just go, "Oh, how, how's the footy? What's the score? Uh, my AFL app's not working. What is it?" <laughs> and I, I just I just send them the score with the um with the photo straight away. Like I'm not going to hide from it. It's not not anything to do with me, really. Yeah, I support the club. I love the club, but. Kudos uh, again to Essendon. You like that one? I did like that yeah. one. Kudos for that one. Uh, my, my, I have a, a big loss. Um, you actually spoke about it. was uh, Jay Gresham averaging 27.5 disposals for the first two um, games. You know, you said season ending. It could be career ending because he, oh, is, ending. he is going to be um, going for a contract next year. It'll be interesting to see what Saint, where St Kilda are at the end of the year. Obviously, they thought their premiership window was open. It'll be interesting with their first two sort of uh, performance or first three performances, where they finish at the end of the year. I mean, he is still young. He still is showing a lot of potential. It's a huge loss for a young footballer who's had their battle, had his battle with uh, injuries. So for me, big loser outside of the obvious one is St Kilda, but the big loser for is Jay Gresham. Yeah, and a career in, in tatters after that. Uh, we move on to the, our next game and our final game of big win, little win. Adelaide Crows versus the Gold Coast Suns. Adelaide, it was a topsy-turvy game, a lot of lead changes here. Adelaide ended up winning 95 to 85, uh, winning by 10 points with the big story in that last quarter is Jared Witts going down, not having anyone in the ruck. Gold Coast started off the fourth quarter pretty good, got the lead back, but then run it out without a ruckman in there and without the big fella. So... Uh, Demoralising for for Gold Coast with yeah, we, uh, finals 
aspirations. Well, we spoke about this uh, earlier in the week, that this is one of the games that they would have penciled in for a win and that they definitely, you know, really would have put some work into considering how um, Adelaide have sort of started the season and not being that sort of bottom feeder that we thought they were going to be. Really interesting for for the way that they finished because it was topsy-turvy. They had a couple opportunities to really seal it and you saw that young, inexperienced sons that we spoke about the last couple of years really come out and that's something they've got to get out of their game Disappointing, obviously, not having a ruck, but you can't make excuses as that's the only reason that they, they were not in those games. Because a lot of the time they were they were losing the clearance, getting it back, but then their forward entries in that last quarter and some of the turnovers that they made. There was one of those kickouts in the last quarter that they kicked it straight to an Adelaide player. And it was just like, what are you doing? Why are you making those decisions? Why are you making it harder for yourself? And I would not want to be in the, the Gold Coast locker rooms this week with Stuart Jew because... That was a winnable game for them, and they should have won that. They were in control. They kicked themselves out of it. Very disappointing. In the first quarter as well, so it's five goals, six to five goals straight, but they were actually up by about 24. They were up by four goals in that first quarter, and Adelaide came back through uh, Big Tex, who needs to get a mention, kicked six goals, three again, absolutely dominating the competition. Uh, what has he got now? He's got 17 goals for the season. So uh, Big Tex Walker revitalised. And going great guns, King down the other end kicked four, but they just couldn't get him the footy enough in in one on one contests. So they've got to be able to fix that. The Gold Coast Suns, uh, credit to Adelaide and their effort. We've spoken about that all year. I still thought they would have lost, but you had Sloan, who's amazing, Laird, Smith, their names that you know have been around Adelaide forever. So those players need to play really good and be in their best players every single week for them to have a chance to win. And they've done it again and, and picked up another another win. So two and one Adelaide Crows, no one would have picked that. Another win and leading the Coleman. Tex Walker, five goals, six goals, six goals. This bloke is on fire. Um, you know, did not like their performance last year. He's, he's averaging, you know, seven scoring shots per game, which is incredible from a team that finished, you know, down the bottom of the ladder last year and not looking to win too many games, but... They, they looked all right um, at Adelaide. Um, they are starting to show signs of this, the side that we are expecting them to be. But again, I, you can't take away how disappointing it was for Gold Coast because Adelaide didn't win this game. Gold Coast lost this game in inaccuracy in the first quarter, inaccuracy throughout the game, and silly mistakes in that fourth quarter that they put themselves in positions that they didn't need to be. So really disappointing for me, Pez. And, that, and that's the big loser is the Gold Coast Suns as a whole, the big, big loser is this loss. This is a huge loss for the football club oh, yeah. if they want to make finals. And I know that we're not, not meant to be talking about big loss, little loss in terms of the scoreboard. This is They are the biggest loser out of this. Not only do they lose a Ruckman, which makes it really difficult considering their other couple of Ruckman are on the injury list. They've got a very winnable game next week against Carlton. And they're going to go in as the, the underdogs. And they're probably going to lose it, which will put them one in three. In, and they'll be in the same position they've been in the last couple of years. Yeah, and you, you've stolen my thunder there with the big loss. Not not in terms of the loss for the season, but the loss of the Ruckman. Wits doing his knee. Absolutely integral part to this footy club. And they don't have anyone else to really replace him at the moment. Everyone's on the injury list for them. Sam Day going down as well does not help. So my big loss is for the Gold Coast's future without those big fellas. And their injuries are starting to take a toll and it's going to cost them a a really great season. Yeah, and and there's nothing you can do when injuries happen. Rao going down, Ruckman going down, but they've still got enough talent there, Pez. They they need to find something out and they need to get rid of those silly mistakes because, again, winnable game, I know I'm harping on, winnable game, the injuries didn't lose in this game. It was the decision-making and the stuff that... When they're at their best, I thought was out of their game at least. Massive game next week anyway. But um, we've got three games to go in our new revamped style show source. And we're going to do bring your own hashtag. Hashtag. This is interesting. It's a main event in any stadium in the world. Hashtag going viral. We we can't go with it. Hashtag bleep, bleep, bleep. That's all, folks. And very ironic that in that intro they say one of the main events as well as the mention of Siri Rioli because the Geelong versus Hawthorne um, tradition, the rivalry, this Easter Monday clash continues to deliver despite some of the questionable um, coaching decisions in terms of the game plan and really shutting it down. This absolute was a cracker. The Cats end up prevailing again. That Kennett's curse only is uh, working in the regular season because we can't beat them in finals. Uh, got up by five points. Pez, thoughts on the game? Yeah, I kind of touched on this in the intro a little bit with uh, Clarko's cluster playing a lot of players behind the ball and, and Chris Scott and his team. Just Geelong's 
not inability, but their decision not to move the ball quickly and not to spot up targets. They went backwards. They went sideways. It wasn't great for the fans to to watch. Um, but I actually I actually love the the first half battle of it, and I, I like watching footy like that. Uh, where the coaches are against each other. We know with the new rules, the coaches are just going to come out and, and try and shut things down when they can. Uh, good on Alistair Clarkson for, for actually doing that. He knew, you know, Geelong are the more talented side. Uh, how are we going to have a chance to win? We're going to do this. So uh, Chad Wingard, he was pretty impressive. He was, he was pretty inaccurate <laughs> in front of goal as well, but costly, it was good to costly. see him. Luke Bruce is, is always good. Sean Burgoyne as well. But that turnover in the fourth quarter... From Daniel Howe, he, he had two turnovers. Well, one was a boundary throw-in in Geelong's Ford 50. But the other one at centre-half forward for Hawthorne, if he spots up that target, they go out and they possibly they, go on to win the they game. They probably do. Uh, Jordan Clark gets a cheeky hand in there and a uh, oh. little, little handball chain. He finishes Hawkins, goes back to him and, and finishes off with a goal. And didn't he love it running from half-back? Pez, I was at the game and when he got that turnover, watching the electric sort of burst through the middle of the ground, it really brought me back to, and you're not going to like it, Pez, the the, the toe poke um, from, from the Geelong don't, great. I don't know what you're talking about. But that burst through the ground and to see them actually just then link up through the hands, you know, a couple of nice little handballs there and to finish off with a goal, Got everyone out of the seat at the G, and it was a fantastic way to finish. To what, what was really a great game outside of that sort of slower sort of style. Pez, I was the exact same. That first half, I actually really enjoyed that sort of first half. You know, Hawthorne making Geelong work harder, and I guess hopefully what it does is it brings around this game plan by Chris Scott, and we continually do it. And not going to work in finals. It's not going to work in finals. You know, we got lucky last year, but one of the things that has been really impressive over the last two rounds. Irishman Mark O'Connor got, yeah, an- got the, another scalp. The tag held, is back. Held to- held Tommy Mitchell to twenty four disposals. You're at the ground source, and I was messaging you, going, "Oh, what's uh, Mitchell? How many is he going to get today?" It, it all depended on O'Connor if he went to him, and uh, the tag is back. Uh, not since Cameron Ling has Geelong seen a. Well, they tried with Guthrie for a little bit, but uh, I'm so glad is that Guthrie. That, no, they tried <laughs> with Cameron Guthrie. I'm so glad that they got they shook that uh, shook that tag. Excuse the pun, but he looked really good, and he he's been a real injection into that midfield. And something that Geelong has done really well in the defensive half of the ground, and not in the midfield, is actually defend, and, and that's what was you know really allowed Geelong to to come away with a lot of clearances that they were able to stop ball magnet Tom Mitchell from getting those those one twos those meaningful those meaningless sorry handballs that he gets but they do become more meaningful when he connects with some of those other players you know as you said O'Meara and Shields being those big impact players but the big story from the game has to be my man Cameron Guthrie Pez oh, Cameron Guthrie what did he have 43 disposals oh. he, he looked 11 clearances 11 oh. clearances absolutely elite but they just needed the ball to get in that forward line a little bit more I think Jeremy Cameron's going to help that side out a lot when he actually yeah. eventually comes back in because he's going to go up the wing and, and get the ball out there and uh, you're also missing Menangola and Dangerfield. And Dangerfield. And Dangerfield there's a lot so, of names there for Geelong to be 2-0 two and, two and, uh, or 2-1 and one, and you know realistically could be <laughs> could be 0-3 they're doing all right with a very depleted list. Yeah, every everything uh, their backline is standing up. Tommy Stewart and and Blitzavs even going forward a little bit yesterday, which was which was strange. But uh, this was one of the games I really enjoyed on the weekend. Uh, Hawthorne couldn't get the job done in the end, and Hawkins it was inaccurate with some of those snaps. He, he could have put the game away, but he kicked that point, hit the post, and I'm like, oh no, five points down. Are Hawthorne going to be able to go straight down the other end and and go from here? But didn't happen in the end. Uh, I don't know if AFL fans, the, the casual, are going to be too happy with that game. I saw a lot of things on Twitter which wasn't. But as a as an AFL fan for many, many years, I really did enjoy the battle uh, of the coaches, which uh, Alistair Clarkson won, even though they didn't win the game. Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, you know, if we were doing big win, little win, which we're not, it's <laughs> a big win for the rest of the coaches. But uh, we are doing Bring Your Own Hashtag, Pez. And what I wanted to talk about is uh, my hashtag is hashtag Smith gets the chockies. And I'm talking about mm. Isaac Smith here. And one of the things that I don't like seeing is when you've got a champion of the club, you know, a premiership player um, being booed for, for leaving uh, the club on, on different terms, you know, whatever the reasons are for leaving. Yep. I didn't think his exit was, it was in a negative fac- fashion, but really disappointing for Hawthorne fans. To boo the first time, yeah, cool, that's, that's fine. But to continually boo the whole yeah. game, I think is just really un-Australian in terms of football. And realistically... 
It's different if you're doing it against someone who's no, not a big name in your club, but you've got a premiership player here. He's part of your dynasty. So Joe Danaher, you're okay if he gets booed from the Essendon fans? No, not really, because, again, maybe, yeah, actually, yeah, I am probably okay with yep. him getting booed. But, again, not the whole game. I, I don't think there's a need for it for the whole game. Boo ridiculously in that first couple, quarter when they get a couple of touches. I, I just don't think that the game needs it. All right, yeah, I was just trying to understand where you're coming from because I was thinking about this yesterday. Every time Isaac Smith got the ball, the boos are coming, and I'm like, yeah, he... Did he really choose to leave? Like he did in the end. He wanted to change the scenery with his family and stuff. But look at what he's given you since you got drafted. There's a triple premiership player there. You've got uh, 210 games he played and 165 goals. You couldn't. He gave nine years at the club. You couldn't ask for much more from him. Yep. He's been a loyal servant. He would have got the tap on the shoulder for the rebuild. And, and he what, said, hey, what make, would you, what'd you expect to see? Nothing? Or first time he gets the pill? Bit of a cheer from the Hawthorne. Fans for no, what no, he did. no, the traditional boo, yeah, cool. Boo the first so time he gets it, get time. it out of the system, and then you know what? Just let it go. Just support your team. Don't worry about your opposition team. Just support your team. I, well, I, I just don't like it. It's it's not the strangest boo we've had this season because uh, Trelaw against Collingwood <laughs> was, oh, was, a horrible was booed boo. at the start uh, where it wasn't even his choice and he probably still wants to be at the club if but he they, could be. But they finished the game cheering for him. They, they finished the game cheering for so him. So Collingwood supporters a bit higher on the on the scale than the Hawthorne fans. Oh, not in general. Well, I think so. <laughs> if you're comparing those two, it, I mean, you are comparing those. oranges to apples, but like... I just I just don't like it. I just don't think that, you know, it's different when a, a person leaves the club and they leave the club in disarray or they jump off or they throw someone under the bus. But in this circumstance, he gave you nine years, three premierships. How can you boo him? He's yep. a champion. I, I really like that hashtag and the discussion that that uh, form source. Mine's very simple with uh, hashtag Clarko's cluster. I just want him. Can he bring it back and can he make games not as high scoring as the AFL wants and, and try and keep Hawthorne in some games with a poor list this season? How ironic is that? He's the one that brought in the rule and he's the, the <laughs> one that actually solves it. Maybe that's why he brought it in because he already knew how to game plan it. Yeah. He was all done. Ahead of his time, Alistair Clarkson. Go over to the Giants, mate. That's where we need you. We need you sitting there with a better list because, yeah, Hawthorne's list isn't great. There are a couple of young, young players there coming through. CJ through that middle, and I'm going to refer to him as CJ because I heard a Hawthorne supporter saying it yesterday because I struggle with his name. <laughs> Absolutely electric. He's going to be an absolute fine for the Hawthorne football. He took a couple of great grabs, and he he loves the footy as well. Got some pace. He's disappointed if the the it's turned over and it's in his vicinity, and he runs hard the other way as well. All right, we move on to a game that was in in the middle of uh, it was Sunday night. There was only two games on the Sunday. Mm -hmm. We got GWS taking on Melbourne. GWS started uh, sixteen points up at quarter time. uh, Couldn't hold on in the end. Had three injuries to big players, which we'll speak about. Source they lost by thirty four points. Melbourne one hundred and two. Giants 68. Yeah, really disappointing for the Giants because I think that if they had had a full list for that full game, they probably wouldn't have got blown out like they did. The moment that that second injury went down, they were in trouble because they were already starting to slow down. They could have kept it competitive for the rest of the game, but the moment they they had a, a lower, you know, players on the bench, they were done and dusted. And Melbourne, big giant killers here because that's 3-0 and for Melbourne Football Club. They've got a big game against Melbourne next week. They're looking all right. Melbourne against Melbourne. Melbourne against Geelong, sorry. Oh, big game. Oh, massive game against Geelong coming up. But uh, the injury is not good. First, Davis went down with an ankle. The medical sub came up in uh, Shipley. Then Canelio went down with an ankle. And then DeBoer did his hamstring. So they were actually down two rotations on the bench, which doesn't really help with that medical sub rule, does it? It's It brought back the, the factor of luck and injuries. Um, is there even a need for the medical sub? Uh, things like that. But, you know, we're not going to be able to change the AFL's mind. So... You've got to keep moving forward. After the, that third injury was done, you knew Melbourne were going to run over the top of them. GWS started the fourth quarter strong. Toby Green, uh, two a, goals straight away. If, if he was in a, a decent team or you go back uh, a few years ago, five goals, two he had, and the opportunity was, was quite bare. I mean, they kicked 5-1 in the first quarter, and he was he had, I think, links in four of those goals. He looked incredible, and this is what we were talking about last week with GWS, is that we needed a player to stand up, and he is doing his absolute everything to try and will this team along. And it was just Will Pez because he, he's a superstar of the game. And the effort he is showing is something that the rest of the GWS Giants should look at. And they should just show his highlights for the whole week and show, hey, this guy bleeds your football club. Show some effort. If someone here shows some effort. If you're a casual fan and you only watch a few games around, um, if you do end up watching a Giants game, 
watch Toby Green really closely because when that ball comes into the forward line, he protects the drop of the ball. He's so clever with it. Oh, and so he takes clever. so many... Che- I've never seen a bloke take so many chest marks inside the forward 50. Especially for a that little are contested. Bike. Especially for a little bike. Contested chest marks. Unbelievable. Protects the ball drop and, and dives from there. But the other guy that really excites me, didn't really excite me in round two because it was against my <laughs> Saints. But Cozzy Pickett kicked four goals, one. This guy is a speed machine. <laughs> he snaps around the corner and just his ability to know where to be inside that forward 50. Uh, Melbourne have really found one there. I was messaging uh, my brothers who were all St Kilda supporters and I was saying, why can't we find a guy like this uh, to come into our forward line? Like, but, but, but his natural talent, Pez, because it still looks very raw, untapped talent, but his smarts around the football, knowing when to, to swing around to in the body, oh. knowing when to go baseline. No, no, there was one where he was running the ball out of bounds and he just made an unbelievably great decision, gave the handball to Neil Bullen, put on a nice little shepherd, and Neil Bullen uh, pulled one from, you know, Neil Bullen's <laughs> backside. Um, but realistically... That was a nice goal. It was a great goal, but... He's an absolute fine for Melbourne. And we probably haven't really given the credit to Melbourne in this game because they did take control of it from the moment those injuries went down. And their skill level is looking better, Pez. They had some really great forward entries. Max Gorn looks like a, a good sort of target down there. They, they still don't know who's going to be their tall target there. They sort of float him back defence. They played him in forward. I mean, is, if that's the answer for them, good luck to them. But 3-0, and this is the Melbourne side that we have been asking for, all the AFL has been asking for for the last five years. Yeah, they've, they've got options there. And if you can bring the ball to ground and have Gozzi pick it at your feet, uh, you're going to be doing it. I was really impressed with Fritch as well uh, as a forward. He's He's got the smarts around goals as well and uh, knows where to be with inside that forward 50. But I do love the main man for Melbourne, Christian Petrarca. As soon as he gets that pill, he explodes. He is, I think he's so fast. One of the, the highest acceleration, surely, in the league. Little meatball. <laughs> he just goes, he's a couple of don't argues on the weekend as well. And he just runs and looks goals. He goes, yep, I'm, I'm going goals here. And he's going to slot him from 50. He's going to get a lot of Brownlow votes this year if they can uh, keep that up and, and keep that, that skill up. Ed Langdon on the wing uh, as well, hitting a lot of targets. And, and that's what Melbourne need because that's what they haven't been doing the past few seasons. If, he, uh, if they get the wins, Pez, early favourite for the Brownlow? Well, if they get the wins, who else is going to get the three votes? You've got Max Gorn probably competing with him. Ruckman don't um, get him. And Ruckman don't get they it. They don't have a tall forward, which way the game's going. So Went forward and kicked two on the weekend, so I think Max Gorn will be in the votes. But Petrarca, I would give him the three votes because he's just a machine. He's so strong and that acceleration is just next level. So, uh, yeah, Giants, 0-3. Did not want that to start. And injuries galore. Leon Cameron, it's time. Said it last week. I'll be saying it every week, I think. Yeah, and that's where my hashtag is, Pez. It's, it's giant weight for... For Leon, because it's hashtag giant weight. Because football, a long week. There's a long time in football for one week. But I called this at the start of the season. Pez, Judgment Day is going to be next week against Collingwood. The Collingwood are one and th- one and two. GWS are zero and three. It could be the big game for them next week because if they lose, they go zero and four with this list, and and everyone is still touting them as, as a talented list. That's it. That's de- definitely they, they go. On I don't four. need to say anymore. Like it's they can't make finals from here. Zero and three. There's there's well, probably no way for mine. Well, the, the last team to start zero and three and make a premiership was uh, that Sydney Swans team a couple of years ago where they went zero and three. They and went zero and six, I think. Well, yeah. Well, I'm just they were the last Sydney team, so still yeah, zero and six, crazy. Um, you remember Thomas Bug? <laughs> yeah, I remember Thomas Bug. He, he played for both um, both clubs. Played for the Giants. Played for Melbourne. Oh, thanks. Yep. Thanks, uh, it, it relates. <laughs> it relates to my hashtag. <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 could I, see, you, I could see I where you were going. I could see where I you were going. You would love it. this one. Um, f- fan bug. Fan bug. Fan bug is my hashtag with the, the two G's for a tribute to Bug and his uh, stellar career at GWS in Melbourne. But the bug is going to be going through uh, the Giants fan base, and they're not going to have any support uh, moving forward because Owen three. They're not getting spectators to their ground. They're going to be back in the day when they first started, 6,000, 5,000, 4,000. It, it's just going to get less and less and they're going to have no fans left and they've got to be winning if they're going to you know, get any fans like Sydney were back in the day. This is how disappointing GWS's uh, performance has been. We're talking about Tom Bug. That's, <laughs> how, that's how disappointing their performance is. We're not talking about the superstars there. I was thinking, how can I get uh, a fan? I want, wanted to talk about the fans. How oh, can Tom, I get Tom Bug's a fan? Is he Tom no, Bug's fan? There's a bug. There's a bug I, going I, through. They're all sick. 
Yeah, puns aren't good when you have to explain them, Pez. <laughs> well, I don't have to explain it to the listeners, obviously, but for some reason today, you just, are off and I, I have to explain said, it to I you. I just said it was a good reference that uh, just shows you how poor they're playing to put it into perspective of how bad their season is slowly derailing. Well, that, that's the thing, and we've got only one game to speak about. It was actually the first game of the round source, and probably one of the best. We started with uh, Richmond-Sydney because it was such a big talking point. We're going to finish with... Uh, Brisbane versus Collingwood, one of the biggest games, a kick after the siren uh, to win the game by one point, the barest of margins. It was uh, a kick and celebrate straight away. Yeah, a little bit of redemption time for uh, Bailey there, Zach Bailey, to be able to kick the winning goal after just one week. Exactly, well, it was actually a little bit less. It was six days earlier. Unbelievable, isn't it? That uh, he should have been given an opportunity to win the game for Brisbane against Geelong, but uh, we all know how that panned out, but... What a game this was, Pez. That last quarter had so much intensity. It went back and forth, and it really was just an arm wrestle of, of skill. There was pressure. Both teams, this win meant so much to them, and you could see that by the way they were playing. Exactly right. I think uh, Brisbane played super poor uh, during the first three quarters. Their skill level was not up to standard, and they were just turning the ball over. Collingwood were able to take advantage of that really well, even without Elliot in the team, and, and were able to get quite a big lead. They were leading, uh, heading into the dying stages of that, that game at the end there. But Collingwood, when you're up, you know what they tried to do? A couple of minutes left, they actually kicked the ball backwards for one of the first times in the game. And that's kind of when you went, oh, Brisbane actually have a chance here because you're trying to, you don't actually want to go forward and score. You just want to not have them score. And that usually doesn't work out well. This has to be on the tip of every single AFL supporters fans when they're at the ground. The moment you go into protection mode and trying to protect a win and you go away from what got you in front to begin with, you put yourself at risk just opening yourself up because Brisbane continually did what they were doing, applying the pressure. They were in this game all the way through, Pez. And realistically, if you adjust your game plan that was working, it's crazy to me. And so many teams do it. And Geelong, Geelong did it last week against Brisbane. They put the cue in the rack at halftime and started doing it. They did it again against Hawthorne on the weekend. It's so frustrating to see as a supporter. Stick to what is working. Yes, you don't have to be as erratic going forward. But don't go backwards. Don't put the rest of your structures that you work all week Especially on. Especially if you haven't done it all game. Oh, exactly. It's stupid. It really drives me nuts. And you expect better things from some of the leaders at the club. Scott Pendlebury played an amazing game. He had 30 touches, but he was one of those people that was doing it as well. It must have been a directive from the coaching box because uh, why else would they do it? Or were they just too gassed? and didn't have the energy to be able to do it. What you've got to do there, he was on the wing and he kicked back to half back and then they turned it over. He had to kick down inside their forward 50 there against the boundary line, uh, hit the ball out and then go again. You've got Brody Grundy in the ruck who was playing against a, a young fella there and absolutely dominated in the hitouts and the hitouts to advantage. He had a ridiculous number, but they lost the clearances. They lost the clearances. So how can you lose the clearances if you've got 54 hitouts? So to seven or something like that. It's it's you know it's good for him for his massive contract. I mean you know Eddie Eddie Maguire with that big signing is probably sitting there going, oh it was good that he got his hand on the ball a lot, but is that going to save him? Because he's still being talked about, I think, because as you said, hitouts to advantage. You need to be winning that stat if you're getting 54 good looks at them, compared to the next hitout winner was Mason Cox with nine. The two ruckmen for for Brisbane had three and one. Wow. <laughs> so it was 54 to 4 and you still lost the, the, the contested clearances. Like it's, that's, that's terrible. It's, it's not great for the Collingwood midfield and they need to fix that up. Is, does Brody Grundy need to hit the ball in different places? Are they on the same page? What's happening there? He still played a great game with, with some marks and 28 disposals, but uh, I just think them not to dominate those clearances and win by at least five, is that much of an ask if you have plus 50 in the – in the hitouts? Think about it. You're getting it 50 more times. 50 more times you've got first look. You need to get. You need to be dominating the clearances. Yeah, and if they won the clearances, they would have won the game. Easily. Uh, and you go from there. So uh, do teams plan for Collingwood like this? Yes, all right. Brody Grundy can dominate in the in the ruck. He can get all these hitouts if he wants, but we're just going to win the clearances in the middle anyway. We saw it a couple of years ago with um, when Gary Ablett was playing at Gold Coast. They said, we're going to let him have 40 touches, but we're going to stop everyone else. Mm. And I think that's what's happening here is that we'll let you have first look at the football. That's fine, but we are going to stop everything else. We're going to shut it down because if you stop Penelbury, stop Sidebottom, Taylor Adams, he had a great game, but if you stop those three, 
The ball's not getting out of there, and when they do go forward, they haven't got much of a forward line anyway. Dacos was good. He kicked two. Mayacek, old kicks faithful. Great he, goals, he, he, he always kicks two goals. But realistically, they're in trouble, I think, uh, Collingwood. They really are in trouble. Oh, yeah, they definitely could be. But uh, to, to go back to uh, Brody Grundy and those hitouts, uh, I'm thinking Stefan Martin in, during the game. I'm like, oh, this is a big loss for Huge. Brisbane because they don't have anyone. But they didn't need anyone in the end because they still won the clearances and ended up winning the game. So so bad luck there, Collingwood. You need to go back to the drawing board and, and do something there. What do you got for a hashtag? Uh, I've got uh, Joe Danahurt is my hashtag because he had a lot of the fall. He had 18 disposals, eight marks. He needs to be solving Brisbane's goal-kicking woes. Uh, he kicked three three-pairs. So three goals is great, but you got six opportunities. You need to come away with more than 50%. Um, he had eight marks. He had 18 disposals, as I said. He had a one goal assist, which is fantastic. But realistically, that is going to hurt them. He is there to kick goals. He frees up some of their other forwards. He makes Charlie Cameron, you know, the second forward there. He's got to be dominating. He should be the one we're talking about with a big bag of five this week, not Josh Bruce. I'm glad you brought him up because uh, watching him... There's a couple of uh, all about me moments for oh, yeah. Mr. Joe Danaher where he could have done the simple thing and laid the ball off easy handball, but he's tried to take the player on and lost the ball a few times in that fourth quarter. So if they lost here, the big story for mine would have been Joe Danaher costs Brisbane the game. You probably so, would have used the hashtag Joe Danaher. Joe Dirt. Probably. Oh, Joe Dirt. Yeah. With that mo, he looks I, a bit like Joe Dirt. I would have, gone, would have gone Joe Dirt. But I've, I've gone a bit of a play on, uh, uh, well, probably a bit of a rude word that we probably can't say on the podcast, oh. but... Instead of the F word, I've gone uh, rocket. So hashtag rocket. And that's what the Collingwood players are going to need to be able to say. Rocket, we're just going to go in and, and get the get the footy off Brady Grundy's hands because he's dominating for us and, and we're not winning it out. I like that. I'm glad that we uh, we, we censored it for the grade three words, uh, for grade three viewers, and we used the F word. We used a naughty word there, Piz. Jesus Christ, mate. Well, you want me just to say it? Come no, I don't, want, I don't want to lose our clean ratings. Yep. I definitely don't want to lose it. Well, that was our round recap, Pez. And normally that's where our show would finish. But Pez, we've got a little surprise today. It was a toss of the coin. That fight wins the toss. Yes, it's been an unusual uh, year for joint tosses. Well, this is going to be one of the new fan favourites, Pez. We thought we would include a new segment. This is Coin Toss, where we give our viewers, we give Pez, we give Source two options. Just like a coin, you can either pick heads or tails. There's only one right answer, and that is up to the person that we are asking. The first Coin Toss moment, Pez, Guthrie or Bruce, who had the better performance? Guthrie or Bruce, uh, I'm going to go with who they were playing and the importance of the game. One was a 128-point win, one was a five-point win. Uh, Guthrie for mine because uh, Bruce's 10 doesn't mean much to me. Yeah, I think Guthrie, mate, had a, a big stage to perform on. In the end, Bruce was getting um, the ball absolutely given to him, trying to get that 10, and he, he took a while, took the fourth quarter to get it. To get it. Uh, so for me, Guthrie is the coin toss winner. It's easy to uh, kick 10 in a training drill. Uh, the next one, I'll toss the coin up in the air. We've got the biggest loser of the round, Richmond Tigers or Port Adelaide Power? For me, it's the Port Adelaide Power. They were expected to challenge. They weren't really responsive in that win against, um, so the loss against the Eagles. Next week, they play Richmond. Richmond do this all the time. They throw up a loss here and there. Yeah, and uh, that's my point exactly. I'll agree with you, Port Adelaide, because they um, they could have lost. They just needed to be competitive, and they, and they weren't. Uh, but Richmond, they, they do this every year, and it looks like in round three where they get smashed by a team that they're meant to. Hawthorne did it to them either last year or a couple of years ago where they beat them by a 30-40-odd as well, and Richmond went on to win the premiership. So uh, no alarm bells for Richmond, but Port Adelaide need to uh, tighten up against those top sides. Next one on the cards, pairs or on the uh, in the wallet is uh, who would you rather be right now at this point of the season, Sydney or Melbourne? Oh, yeah, kind of, kind of a tough one. I'm going to have to go with... Sydney here with the with the young fellas. They are impressive. I think they're gonna gonna burn out a little bit, but Melbourne haven't impressed in the last few seasons and I think they're going to probably finish below Sydney. If they were playing each other next week, I'd be tipping Sydney, so I'm going Sydney. Yeah, I'm I'm going with that Pez for the same sort of reason. I'm going with Sydney because Melbourne have started 0-3. They need to make finals, otherwise they're going to be talked about all off season and they're gonna be really, really uh, building the pressure if they can't continue this winning streak. Well, that's it. Uh, I've got the the coin here in the wallet source. It's the last one. Um, Geelong game plan versus GWS's game plan. 
shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you've got to go with Geelong, Geelong's game plan because they are getting the wins, but it's by the narrowest of margins, Pez, because it is not a great brand of footy and Scott continues to persist with it. If they had less talent, we would not be talking about this as a game plan because it's, it'd be like North Melbourne. It'd be all, all over the place. Yeah, oh, I don't even know if GWS have a game plan. This is the, the problem. So I might have to go Geelong just because they do have a game plan. I don't love it, but uh, I think they've actually got one. So Leon Cameron, see you later. GWS get an actual game plan in there with that talent, get some injuries back and, and win a few games and uh, start 2022 in a better fashion. Uh, Geelong, Chris Scott, you've you got to change up, mate. So that's the end of uh, Coin Toss. We're going to try to do that every week uh, where we go through just – just give some uh, coin tosses, obviously, some head-to-head options, quick fire, short, sharp responses. If you've got some that you want to play with us or you want to send across to us to uh, make sure that we can toss the coin to, where can they get us, Pez? At Behind the Bound, all socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, and subscribe to our podcasts on wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, leave that cheeky five-star review. Yeah, big week for us, Pez. We cracked the top 150 on Chartable Podcast in the category of Australian AFL. So a very niche sort of market. Crack the Jeez. 150. We H- how many podcasts are there? 150? Uh, 151, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> no, yes, I, we're not on the bottom. But uh, that's how you know we can keep climbing and we can keep getting this quality content out to you. Make sure you uh, send uh, all the link to all your friends. Make sure you get them all on board. Pez, round us off. Well, that's it. I've been Pez. Still not happy with the AFL. <laughs> Peace out. I'm still Sauce. We'll catch up next time, guys. <laughs>